All right, are y'all ready for the word? All right, let me make a statement. All of you people that are here for the first time, I want you to know this is a very different church than you've ever been in your life. This is six acres of no condemnation and freedom. And you'll leave being fed. Amen. So, so um, turn your Bibles, get in your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to continue to talk about the last days. Are we in the last days? Yes. yes, we are. Isn't this fun? You're the generation that's going to get to see Jesus come back. Amen. Now, not everybody's going to be real happy when he comes back. Some people are going to go, we don't like this very much. That's okay. He's already prepared for them. But, uh, but I know that all of y'all are going to be ready and excited. Amen. Matthew 24, we're going to start with verse 3. Let's go. Now, he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? They're signposts. It shows us when it's happening. And Jesus said, take, no, take heed that no one deceive you. Many are going to come in my name and say, I'm Christ, and deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you're not troubled. You're all going to do that, right? You're not going to let it bother you? Say amen. For all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places, and all of these are the beginning of sorrows. That's where we left off last week. And they're going to deliver you to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets or false teachers are going to rise up and deceive many. That's happening everywhere, okay? Everybody that says church, church is not doing so good. And because of lawlessness, the, the love of many will grow cold, and he that endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Now go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Pop it up on screen. I'm just going to read it. Now, let's talk about this for a minute, and let's go through something very... Um, God designed church... For you to have a place to grow in Jesus and a place where you can hear truth. Jesus said, you know the truth and the truth would make you miserable. What did he say? You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now you have to go after truth. You have to want to hear it. Now there is nothing that said that every time you hear something true, you'd like it. Now, let's talk about the world we're living in right now. The world we're living in is changing rapidly in front of our eyes. Now, if you're older, didn't say old, older, like me, I remember a day when you would go to church and they would have to preach to the Christians on, on, you know, there's none righteous, no, not one, because even sinners lived good. Right. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. I, rem I remember, I remember the, the average person I met. I mean, sinner, saint, the, the, most of the people that I met were moral yes. or, or they believed in being, doing right, right, taking care of each other. That, the world's not like that now. It's a matter of fact, it is exactly the opposite and getting worse. That's not to scare you. All right. 
Since that's happening, you've got to understand that church must change. What happened to the nation? What happened to America that we have gotten in the mess that we're in? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you mind me sharing what happened without it bothering you? We stopped preaching truth. Yes, we did. It's the fault of the preacher that America's in the situation it's in. You, you can't blame the churches. You can't blame the people. You've got to blame the pulpit. Because if we were doing our job, this nation wouldn't have gotten the mess that it's in right now. Now, the reason, now, now I'm going to throw blame on, the, on another group of people. You all ready? The reason preachers changed is because you forced it. Now, now, preachers don't have to change. But they bowed and compromised the word of God in order to keep their jobs. The the average Christian outside of a church like this one is hired. They can lose their job. There's a board of people back there who don't like you. They'll fire you. And some of y'all may have gone to a church where every once in a while you'd come in there and go, we got a new pastor. Somebody in the board didn't like him, and down the road he went. Well, we have a board in this church, and um, we have a governing board. That means I can't steal your money. I can't run off with your church. I can run off with the, with the worship leader. <laughs> but that would be all right. So, so, but you can't fire me because you didn't like my sermon. You, now, now, you, now, the people of this church can get rid of me if I get into immorality and call, um, we're underneath Raymond. You call Raymond and go, eh, you know what, you need to get down here and take care of this mess. Okay, so, so there is a safety for you, but in the sense that this is a denominational church, I don't have to worry about a board going, uh, you're preaching uh, on, on living right, and of course the board's not, so they want you to quit. So, so you understand that. A lot of preachers, and I meet them, and I look at them, and I say, well, you guys are, are job scared. If you would obey God and quit worrying about it, start your own church. One, one guy in town, and I'll just tell you it's a Baptist, and they fired him. And he started his own church, and I called him on the phone, and I said, I heard you got a promotion. Right. <laughs> he said, well, it didn't look like it to me. I said, well, it, 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 believe me, it, it's a promotion. Because now you get to obey God. All right, now let's come back to this for a minute. What if we had been doing our job and preaching the word of God like we're supposed to? America never would have gotten the mess that it's in. So I'm going to read you some scriptures because, you know, there's, there's more. Well, you'll, you'll get it. Go to Matthew 10, 35, Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, don't cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Put 36 up there. For you have need of endurance after you have done the will of God, you receive the promise. 37. A little while he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now, let's go to another scripture now. Hebrews 12, 12. Let's go there. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Let's go to the next one. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may be dislocated, but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully, lest anyone follow the grace of God and a root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and many become defiled. Let's see what 16 says. Therefore, if any fornicator, okay, y'all got that. All right, let's talk about this for a minute. Is there supposed to be 
a righteous lifestyle that goes with your Christianity. Yes. yes, there should. Now, back in the day, back in my day, because of the moral climate of the nation, people lived right out of pressure. In other words, when a man and woman got married and they walked the aisle, the reason that they're, they have witnesses, I don't know whether you all even know what their job really is, they're to hear the vows and hold them to it. So if Leroy packs it up and leaves Susie and heads down to a local bar, the people go down there and go, what are you doing? Well, you know, she made me mad. Well, she might have made you mad, but we were there when you gave your vow, so you go home. Now, society put pressure on people. That's Now, today, that pressure's gone. As a matter of fact, if you start living like the devil, the, the world will applaud you. If you're living right, well, then, then you're not so, you know, they think you're kind of freaking out, fruit looping. So, so church should be a place where you hear the word of God and it helps hold you to a higher standard. Am I right? Yes. All right. Now let's move on. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter three. I want to go over there. What is it that's going to keep you? Because we just read that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Now, why is that going to happen? Because the standard has been dropped. Are y'all listening? The younger generation will have a tougher time now than my generation. Because sin is celebrated. And it's pushed. You could lose your job if you don't agree with the way things are going in America today. And because of that, we're not going to get into it today, but we need to talk about what to do when you're persecuted. Because if you're going to live right, you're going to get persecuted. You're you're going to be the odd man out. And you've got to get you some character about yourself. All right, now what do we do now? Because we're reading what Jesus said in the last days. This is going to come, but you want to make heaven, don't you? Three of you. Anybody else in here want to make heaven? All right. All right. Now, there has to be something that causes you and I to stay true, right? You say, well, it's the word. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little more to it than that. But I'm going to show you today how... To live your life that you know that you know that you know that when that trumpet sounds, you're gone. And I'm not talking about some bondage. We're not talking about 20 hours of prayer and fasting and climbing the mountain and kissing the saint's feet. We're not talking about all that stuff. Talking about something very simple, right? But it's something you better do. I read a scripture here and I'm going to show you something. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity... In our hearts. How long are you going to live? Forever. Now, the average person does not think like that. I do. I have thought 
every day of my life about one very special day that's coming. You know what it is? I'm going to stand before Jesus. That is why I don't steal your money. You don't scare me. But he does. Everybody say hallelujah. You can breathe now. I am aware that I'm eternal. 80% of the people in the United States of America are going to hell when they die. There's only 20% of the people in the U.S. And only 10% of the people in the world. But in America, it's a little higher than the average in the world. Why is that? Because they don't think past next week. They're not thinking, hmm, wonder where I'm going when I die. Maybe I should find out. They, they, they think they've got it all figured out. And they're not thinking ahead very well. But eternity, see, everybody that's alive will, will always be here. Everybody that's ever lived is still alive somewhere. You and I get to pick that. Now, right now is the time that you need to start thinking about what you're going to be doing, not, not this time in 10 years from now, but in 15 and 20 and 50 or 100. What are you going to be doing in 100 years from now? Now, I'm going to brag on Justin for a minute. And we'll, we'll talk, well, when, 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 when Justin was a young man, he loved hot cars, sports cars. What was that thing you bought, an Infinity? G35. A G35 is a hole you pour money in. (laughs) And after a while, when he started getting these huge bills to be cool, he started realizing this is a terrible, terrible use of my money. He doesn't have a G35 now. He's got a little Honda. But he also owns eight acres of prime Florida real estate. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm just, where it's located in Lake County, in about five or ten years from now, it will be worth probably one to five million dollars. Is that a better use of your money than a G35? Okay, that's, are y'all, y'all going with me, aren't you? So, so sometimes we've got to start thinking ahead but, but now we need to start thinking further ahead than just house, car, you know. Now, one day he won't have a trouble buying a G35. Because he'll have a house and a wife and a kids and a job and a business and making money. So, so, but when you're younger, you've got to sit back and you've got to think, what am I doing now and how's that going to affect me later? All right, now, having said that. Um, John eight fifty one. I want you to see this one because I, I want you to see it. I, it's not enough that I say it. I really want you to read it. And he made it. Um, yeah, she's not there yet. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see what? You will never die. That's incredible. Now, now the average person walks around and say, yeah, well, I, I, and I do this all the time. I do this. I say, well, how long are you planning on living? They'll go, oh, oh, oh 85, 90. And I go, that's sad. 
100. And then they get real serious. 120. I have yet to have anybody say to me forever. Now I'm talking about outside church. I just walk up to people. Because you hear me say this all the time. And I'm not, I'm not saying it to be funny. I talk to older people. I say, how you doing, young man? I'm doing it to get a response. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't say things to be smart. How you doing, young man? How are you doing? Where are you going to be? How are you going to be doing? How old are you? 80. 80. How long are you planning on living? Another 10. Another 10. How about forever? Now, see, this is typical. But let's pretend like I'm in Walmart. Or I'm standing in a store and I just bought his coffee. And I look at him and I go, well, what are you going to be doing in 50 years? Going to heaven, I hope. Yes. Do you understand where we're, do you understand what I'm doing? Because people on an average don't think like this. I do. I want you to start thinking 100 years. I'm not going to be doing 100 years from now. I better get some. I better get some money set aside. I better be. I better be sending some money over into heaven because right now I got to go over there. See, some of y'all are going to get to heaven. It ain't going to be anything. You know. You said I got my shack in in, in the pearly gates. You know, and my <laughs> and be homeless in heaven. Are y'all seeing where I'm going with this? And I want you to understand, you've got to start learning how to think because if you're going to live forever and if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, well, you're going to hell. For how long? Forever. Now, let's talk about that a minute. The reason we have a problem in Washington right now is we stop telling people you're going to hell. Now, that's because y'all, we don't want, I don't want to be branded as a hellfire preacher. Well, John, you know, y'all were here, maybe some of y'all were here Wednesday night when I was talking about John Wesley. And I read his whole book and I studied John Wesley. But this is something I found out about the early American revivals. They preached on justification, but they preached on hell. You see, the law was given to you so you would know you need a savior. And they would never go to a village and preach on Jesus until they explained, the, you know, the, the sermon uh, centers in the hands of an angry God. We, you would never hear. There's no, there's no tape series on anybody I've met. Jesse, Kenneth, Joyce, ain't nobody got a sermon series called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But it's what caused the revival in America. Because you don't think you need Jesus until you know you need Jesus. Do y'all see that? So the law has a benefit. Preaching on holiness, preaching on living right, is what the youth in this church need from their pastor. Because if they don't hear it here, they're going to leave here and they're going to go right out in the world and they're going to go straight to hell. Do y'all see that? But if you guys start shutting me down because the, the messages today coming from pulpits are basically nothing more than motivational series. Preachers aren't preaching the word anymore. And therefore people are, there's no standard any longer. There is a hell. 
I'd like to go to Washington and just preach on the and, and watch the politicians go by. You're going to hell, and you're going to hell, and you're going to hell, and you're going to hell. I know you're in there, and you think you're cool, but you're going to hell. They'd probably arrest me, but... I mean, then I'd preach Jesus after that got a crowd. Are y'all seeing this? All right, there's a reason for the law. The law was designed to show you you need a Savior. Well, nobody thinks they need a Savior. Now, the law was also given to keep you as a Christian straight. If there is no repercussion for what you're doing, then do whatever you want to do. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Go to Matthew 25 now. Well, don't get quiet on me. I'll go to the other side of the church over here and preach. <laughs> Are y'all seeing this? My sermon title today is called Living on Purpose. I want you to learn how to live every day on purpose. I want you to wake up with the idea, I've, I've got something I've got to get done. I've got something that I'm doing with my life. And it's more than just me. Okay? Are y'all seeing this? All right. Matthew 25, let's start with verse 14. The, Jesus tells a parable. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling to a far country. That would be Jesus, right? He left, didn't he? And he called his servants and delivered his goods to them. That would be you and I. What did he leave you? He came and he left Zoe life here. He left eternal life for you. He left the Holy Ghost for you. He left his anointing for you. He left his church. He left his name. He has given you gifts and they're free. Now, I want you to understand, they're his. Now, let, now let me jump on money for just a moment. I know you think it's yours. You're more of a steward of the money you have. You've never created a rock. If you're a salesman and you're selling food, let me help you. You didn't make it. If you sell gas, you didn't make it either. If you're full of hot air, you made that. But nobody wants to buy it. All right, so, so, so Jesus left the earth and he left us with things. Now, let's read on because we, this is a good parable. And he went and he gave, him, he gave to one five talents a talent... Is a, is a year's wage. So he gave someone five years' wages. What is he doing? He's making an investment. Right? He made an investment in the people in this earth. He's invested into us. So when you got born again, he has given you talents based on your ability, not someone else's. All right, do y'all want good news? Yes. Aren't you glad that you don't have to give an account of all the people that Joyce Myers has to give an account of? Oh, yeah. He's not going to walk up to Paul and go, uh, how many thousands of people did you teach? He goes, what? <laughs> Lord, no. He's, not, he's holding Joyce to a standard. He's holding Kenneth to a standard, but he's not holding Paul or me to the same standard. Say, thank you, Jesus. But there is a standard. There's something he's given each of us. And there's a day coming. Well, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Okay. He received five talents, traded and got five more talents. Likewise, he would receive two talents, got two more. And he received one, went and dug it in the ground and hid the Lord's money. 
say that ain't good. After a long time, those servants came and settled accounts. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. This is, this is going to be a big day. There's a day in my life and in yours and in yours and in yours and in yours where you're going to stand before the Lord. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 2 or 20, that there's books. Mm. Not book. There's the book of life. Mm -hmm. When you stand before him, that's the first book they're bringing. Mm -hmm. Flipping over to Morgan, 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 Daryl, George, Daryl, George. Yep. All right. Close that book. Get the other one out. What's in the other book? There's an angel that's following you around. Turn to your neighbor and says, I think he's going to be preaching real good to you right now. There's an angel that follows you around and records everything you do. Now, everybody went, mm-hmm. You see, y'all just, y'all just got holier. Did, didn't you? Didn't you? You're like, woo, I'm fixing to change now. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, we're not talking sin. That's taken care of by the blood. We're talking about you and I are going to give an account. He's going to look down there and go, well, let's see. You were offered the gospel at Word of Life Church, September. And then you came into church and pastor gave an altar call and you said no. I mean, it's written down there. Everybody that came and left, and it's all written down. See, you're not going to, you're not going to stand before God and tell him anything. Thank you. I know y'all think y'all got something to say to the Lord. I have a question for God. You ain't going to have a question at all when you die. You're, you're going to go, ha, ha, ha. You're freaking out. But he's got everything. I mean, I mean, if you gave, this is, this is good news. If you just stopped at a lemonade stand and gave a little girl an extra 10 cents, they wrote that down. If you told her to kiss your grits, they wrote that down. You got to go back and fix some stuff now. Now, now, what I'm talking about is this is what keeps me. This is what's keeping me. This is making, this is why I make every decision I make. Because he placed eternity in me. And I'm aware I've got something to say about this. That's why, you know... Let me help y'all with something. You know how to, I'm going to tell you a little secret. I'm going to tell you how to never get caught stealing. Don't steal. It's not that hard. You, you know what? I've seen Lisa pick up my phone. I don't give a rip. She can dig through it, follow me around, GPS me. I wouldn't care what she did. I, I'm not afraid of you finding my girlfriends. Right. I ain't got any. <laughs> so, so, let's, so, so let's get a little deeper here. Why do people not like police? Because they're crooked. If you're driving down the road with one of them radar things in your car, there's a reason you got that box. I don't have the box because I don't need that box. 
Oh, come on, I'm doing pretty good. So right now in America, we got a lot of people, they hate cops. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not the cops' fault that they hate cops. It's their fault they hate cops. Because if you're living right, you don't care anything about it. I don't care anything about cops. I love, I come on, I come sometimes, I see them parked out here on my grass. It says no parking, cops sitting right there by no parking, no park on the grass side. Well, I thought about one day writing them a ticket and putting it on the windshield. Five bucks parking on my grass. But I, don't, I like them parked there because I know that it deters crime. But it's never bothered me to see a cop car. Not since I got saved. Right. <laughs> now, before I got saved, whoo, I could smell a police a mile away. I got to tell you a story about me right now, and it's, it's past. I woke up one morning, went out and looked out the window, and there's a police car sitting out in front of my apartment. And I went to the back, and the police car out back. I said, oh, no. I got my dope and flushed it down the toilet, upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, and they busted the guy next door. <laughs> I knew y'all liked that. That wasn't you, was it? I don't think you were born. But you know, I hadn't had that problem lately. Well, let's go a hair deeper. Do you know why people don't like church? Because they don't live right. That's right. Well, I used to go to church, but those people offended me. Well, they wouldn't have offended you if you loved God. There is nothing in your Bible that says the people in this church are supposed to like you. They don't have to like you. They don't even have to be nice. You're not doing this for them. You're, not, you're doing this for the Lord. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're doing this for his sake. We fixed that problem now, didn't we? So it also is not the pastor's fault. Well, you know, that preacher. Well, he didn't write the Bible. See, whatever you don't like, whatever you're not doing, that's what you're avoiding. That's the reason why Adam was hiding in the garden. If you're hiding from God, it's because you're not doing right. So you people that are missing all the time, we know where you are. You're not going to sit at the bar Saturday night and come to church Sunday morning singing Kumbaya to Jesus. I got that part figured out. I remember I used to come to this church, Pastor. I know you used to. Amen. Verse 21, and the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. Say, I will hear those words. Now, he called him good and faithful. Why did he say faithful? Because, listen, you're going to have to prove yourself faithful. Now, I said this first service. I'm going to say this to you. I, and I love y'all. But I have quit coming here too. I've had my day when I walked out and said, I ain't never walking back in there again. Am I the only one? I've had, oh, I've, there, listen, if y'all think y'all all that, you're not. But you know what brought me back? That scripture right there. 
I got to give an account of my life to God. And he said, take that church. And so even though I used to quit every Sunday, I just started taking Monday off because everybody thought that that was my day off. I still take Monday off. Now think about this for a minute. Because, because I, there's a day I've got to stand before God and I've got to give an account of my life. That's a big deal. That is the thing that keeps me holy and safe and secure and living right. I have a flesh. I'm going to say this with all that I can, and I'm saying what I'm telling you is the truth, so help me God. If it wasn't for my fear of God, I can name two or three men, I would have killed them. I'd have killed them rock stone cold dead. I mean, you know, I, I might be saved, but I ain't totally sanctified yet. I mean, there's just been some people that have done me wrong. I mean, you've done me wrong, baby. Anybody else in here? But yet I went home and I got on my face and I prayed through. Some of them took me a little while. It took me more than a week. I mean, go help me, Jesus. I'd forgive them and, next, and 10 minutes later, okay, I got to do it again. All right, y'all there? Are y'all there? Because I know, I know, I... Vengeance, vengeance is mine, says, and I've got, God, I'm going to trust you with this, and I've given it to you, and I'm not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Now, we're living in a society today. What's the new Rambo movie? That's, all that is is vengeance. Most of the movies is vengeance. And we're living in a society today where if someone slaps you, you kill them. Riding down the road. They don't like it. They, they just step out and going to shoot you. Now, we're not going to live this way. Why? Because there's a God. And I fear God. I'm not afraid of God. Are you all out there? Oh, okay, let's, let's move on. He received two talents, came, and he said, well, good, faithful servant. Verse 24, and he received one talent, said, Lord, I knew you're a hard man. Who told him he was hard? Is he hard? All right, now let's stop because I just said something a while ago, and I want you to get this. Why do some people think cops are mean? Because they're living wrong. Why do people think God's mean? Because they're living wrong. Well, you never know what God will do. Well, we know how you're living. Man, I'm doing pretty good. But people who come in here and just love Jesus, that's because their heart's pure. They're not afraid of God. Thank you. I'm coming. Everybody say amen. amen. I was afraid and I took your talent and I put it in the ground. Look, here is what is yours. And the Lord answered and said, you wicked. See, see how do we know he was wicked? Because he's living in fear. You're living wicked. You're living in fear. You're not in faith at all. You got to get your heart right to get in faith. 
wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. In my coming, I would have received my own with interest. At least you get saved. I'm going to say that again. If you don't do anything with the grace of God, but just fix your life. Why don't you just start? Well, I can't fix the world. Why don't we start with just you? Why don't you take the grace and make a deposit in your own heart and you grow in God? Now, let's do something right now. Stop blaming other people for where you are. Because if you do it, you're going back in sin. One day, Gloria made Kenneth Copeland mad. And God told Kenneth, her anger is none of your business. Who you're married to has nothing to do with your walk with God. It would make it easier. It would make it easier. But I'm going to tell you something. Most of the earth right now is a mess. And they're living in situations way worse than you and I. I was married before. Now I'm going to tell you something that may make you mad. No one in our church had a clue watching me that my marriage was, was messed up. You couldn't look at me until I was having a bad day. Because I wasn't. Your attitude is a choice you make. Absolutely. We could stay there for a while. I came to church and worshiped God. It didn't matter what was going on in my house. I prayed in the Holy Ghost and I was told to stop by my wife. We just prayed in the Holy Ghost more. Okay, never mind. No, we'll get into something in a minute and you'll figure it out. Are y'all breathing? Everybody breathe. Get some oxygen. Take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. And everyone who has more will be, will be given as abundance from him who does not. He'll, he'll have it even taken away. And you cast that unprofitable servant in the outer darkness. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not a good day. Amen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is my last scripture. But don't think we're even close to closing. Are y'all doing all right? Because I want to show you one more thing. I'm doing this because Jesus is talking about the last days. And as your pastor, it's up to me to help you to take, to go through this time. And you can do it in victory. You can live victorious if you want to live. Okay. Second Timothy chapter four, verse one. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead as he had his appearing, there's going to come a judgment day. There's, well, I didn't even read this a while ago. And I want you, just hold your, don't go anywhere, and, and I'm not going to put it on the screen. I want to read something to you that just, the Holy Spirit just prompted me. Don't even worry about it up on the screen. Don't worry about it. I'm going to worship you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find it. 
Why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess. So each one of us will give an account of himself to God. That's the book of Romans. There's a Bama seat where we're going to stand. Now let's come over here now to 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge you therefore before the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead, not talking about just physical living, at his appearing in his kingdom. Now he's talking to preachers. Preach the word. Be ready to, in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. Really? Really. King James says reprove, rebuke, exhort. Do you want to know what you guys do when a preacher reproves? You leave and go, that didn't feel good. I'll come over here and preach. If you're a good parent, you have had times with your children alone. I had a lady say to me one time, she said, I just want to be friends with my daughter. And I said, you better not ever be friends with your daughter until she's grown and gone. Right now, she needs a mother. And you take her in that bedroom and you straighten her out. All right, now let's talk about this for a minute. If you don't raise, train your children, the word train, train a child in the way it should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it, is the same Greek word for training a horse, and this is what it means. Make them do right. Oh, that's called child abuse now. Because if you don't do it, then their spouse is forced to do it. And if the spouse fails, well, then Louie's got to pick them up, cuff them, and take them away. Are you all out there? Did you go home? All right. Now, see, we're talking about something very important here. If you, if, if you do not allow the preachers to do their job, you're helping to create a hell hole in this nation. That means that sermons should be what? Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Not exhort, exhort, exhort. Now, that doesn't mean that the preacher's allowed to have a bad attitude. It just means that there's going to be subjects he's going to bring up, and you're going to get quiet. You won't shout. You won't run any aisles. You're going to feel like crying. You're going to go, oh, help me. That's why a while ago when I made a statement, I did, and it went quiet. And I said, that helped you. Just my saying that, people went, man, I got some adjustments to me. That's healthy. I have preachers I like to listen to. I love listening to Mark Hankins. But I love listening to Rick Renner. He's always got something to get on my case about. And if, and if Rick doesn't do it, Keith Moore is a terrorist to your flesh. <laughs> Are y'all listening? See, this is what happens when we have our favorite preacher. You find somebody that only preaches Jesus loves you all the time. Well, you're going to be all messed up. God put apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the body of Christ to help you. And whether you agree with me or not, John Bevere's called. He's not Andrew. So you listen to Andrew, then you go listen to John. And Andrew will make you, he loves me. John will go, he's going to slap the fool out of you. (laughs) 
you go, I got to go back to Andrew for a while. Cause I, <laughs> am I right? I'm, I'm absolutely right. I do it. I do, I do this. I call it ebb and tide. You can't hear sermons every Sunday morning, live right, live right, live right, live right. You can't do that. None of us can. You have to have, we're going to run, I'll jump pews, get happy, Jesus loves me, this I know. But there has to be times when you come to church, and especially these young people, if you want them to make heaven, you got to let me do my job. There has to be a certain fear of God in this nation again. Thank y'all for y'all's enthusiasm. Let's go back to the word faithful. You have flesh. And it's not saved. That's why you keep jumping from church to church. Stupid. It is. It's because you're unfaithful. Oh, I'll come over here and preach. Now, I knew, see, that's called reproof. I'm not going to do a lot of it. That's just one, and then I'll lighten up in a minute. But you know what? You're, you have a flesh, and I have a flesh, and I avoid everything that's uncomfortable, including pillows and bed. I, I, I had a sermon series called The Arrogant Minister. I didn't listen to that for years. I, I already knew what I was going to hear, and I knew I was going to be. I knew by the time I got through listening to this tape. I was going to be in the, in the altar crying and weeping and getting repenting and getting right with God. So I put off listening to that tape for a long time. Aren't you glad I listened to it? Because, and here's another one. Keith Moore on humility. That's a lie. It's about pride and you know it. But you can't put sermon on pride on the table and get anybody to buy it. Because everybody with pride would not touch it. And if you say, I don't have any pride, you are full of it. That's why you think you ain't got none. So Keith Moore on humility. When I got finished, I wanted Lisa to listen to this. I thought, lady, you, but he said the last tape. If you think that you've got someone who needs this, that's your last area of pride you got to deal with. You shut your mouth. I went, I wish he hadn't have said that because I can't give it to Lisa now. <laughs> but you know how much good that did in me? Why did I, re- why did I put myself through it? I'm going to stand before God. I, I got I to give an account of my life one day. I got to give an account of this church. I got to give an account of the money that came in this church. I got to give an account of my kids and how they were raised. I got to give, I got to, and, and there's days I go home and go, Father, let's do it next Sunday a little better. I bombed this one bad. Oh, I've had, sun, I've had Sundays I went home and I just prayed all day and got under the blood. <laughs> Folks, I know when I mess up. If I don't know what Lisa tells me, you, you know you messed up. <laughs> and so I told her one day, I said, stop telling me that. So on the way home, if she's quiet, I'm going, well, that's telling me that. So I fix that, and I bring my own truck. <laughs> I hadn't had her tell me you had a bad sermon yet, not in the last couple of years. But I'm growing. You know why? 
You know why? Because I'm aware that I have a time that I'm going to stand before God. Do you all see that? Let's finish reading this. Verse 3. The time is going to come when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. We're there, guys. I'm going to ask you all to do something. Stay in a place where you can hear what the Spirit is saying to you. If he wants to say something to you, let him talk. I thank God for the times he's corrected me. You know what that is? That's love. When I first got saved, I went to work at Certain Teed. And the Lord said, my boss looked at me and said, you're late. I said, I'm not. I got in an argument with my boss the first 30 seconds I was at work. You know why? I was a knothead. And he said, Morgan, you're late. And I argued with him. And the, and the Lord said, you're late. I said, well, both of y'all, what is with you? I'm supposed to clock in at four and it's four. He said, well, the scripture says you work as unto me from now on. You will always get here 15 minutes early. You'll leave 15 minutes late. And by the way, shut your mouth. I said, I love you too, God. You can't believe he talked to me that way, can you? I couldn't believe it either. I wish he'd talk to Art that way. But I'm going to tell you something. I got out of debt in 12 months listening to him. He turned my whole life around. He was the father I never had. Now, he loved me. I remember one day I was walking by the machine and the zingers were calling Y'all know what a zinger is. It ain't nothing but white flour and sugar. I always, every, every day at break, I got a zinger and a chocolate milk. Every day. And I walked by one day and the Lord said, don't you buy another one. I said, he said, as a matter of fact, I want you to start fasting. I said, shut your mouth. What are you talking about? Fasting. I don't believe in fasting. He said, you do now. <laughs> Are y'all ready? Because I'm going to tell you this true story. At the end of three days, I craved green beans and broccoli. <laughs> you get the sugar out of your body, you quit craving sugar. And man, I lost weight. And, and listen, are y'all, all of that happened because I allowed him to correct me. Amen. Amen. Are y'all seeing where we're going with this? If you want to make it, and I want you to make it, I want you to understand that you have to let preachers, first of all, do their job. But I want you to start living right now differently than you live. I want you to live knowing. I mean, just start now. There's a day coming when I'm going to stand in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give an account of my life. And I want to hear well done. I didn't say you had to be a perfect human being. But whatever he's showing you now... Make those adjustments. Go ahead and make them. Whatever he's given you, understand that he gave it to you. You have the ability. You have the greater one in you. Use him. You have the Holy Ghost. If you don't, get him. Use that. You have friends. Use them. Let them be friends to you. You take where you are and you make up your mind that from now on, 
That, that's the day you're living for. That will change everything you're doing. It'll change the way you, it'll change the way you give. It'll change the way you use your money. It'll change the way you treat your spouse. I'm going to give an account one day for the way I treated my wife. I got to stand before God and answer for that. Well, that, that causes me to be nicer. She likes that. I told her one time, I said, you're going to give an account of that. She said, that sounds like pride to me. <laughs> no, nah, she didn't say it. I'm teasing. How many of you are living on purpose? Thank you. I'm basically done. I don't know what time it is. Oh, my gosh, I got three minutes left. No, never mind. I got to use it up. You're, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> How many of you got some adjustments to make? Me too. Me too. Me too. I am constantly reading scriptures I don't like. You know what I'm right on, on, on right now? I made it past love is patient and kind. I made it. I finally made it to the next one. Now here's the one I'm on now. Hardly notices. Don't condemn me, I, it's, it, I'm, I'm, but I'm there. Right, right. <laughs> Woo, it's tough. Hardly noticed when they did it wrong. I'm going to tell you something. I notice every dumb thing you do. That was stupid. That was stupid. That was stupid. But, but I'm getting to the place where I'm growing out of that. I'm going, oh, they're a blessing and they're a blessing and they're a blessing. <laughs> How many of you think I could use a little more love in my walk? A little bit? All of us can. You ready to pray? Father God, thank you for this morning. What, a what an awesome group of people, your church. Father, we are living in the last days, and, and the times are, you said they are going to be tough. But now you gave us gifts. You have given us new birth. You've given us the Holy Spirit. That's the greater one that lives in us. You gave us a church. You gave us the word of God. You put us in the greatest nation on the earth. And I pray that we learn to use these things wisely and that we don't live just for ourselves. We don't just live for us. We live for other people's benefits. If there's anybody in this room today that is not ready to meet you or they're, or they're not doing right, I ask you to deal with them. Show them that uh, there's a little bit more to life than just living for yourself. And Father, just... Help us out. Lead us and guide us by your spirit in Jesus' name. I'm going to say something. Let me make one more statement here. You're not Joyce Myers and you're not Kenneth Copeland. What can you do? Won't you help us with this church? I'm being serious. We have in every church about 20% or less of the people ever get involved in the church. You say, well, I don't have a ministry. Yeah, you do. We had a men's breakfast yesterday and a bunch of men came out and cooked breakfast. That's a big deal. Paul and them set up and, and Zach helped set up. And we, we, had a great, we had a great day. We had a great meeting. Men got blessed, got ministered to. 
But you know what? The guys that got here at 7 in the morning started cooking grits and eggs. And Ken Howder was in there. And Steve was in there. And did, Do you think that's important? You think, what about Nikki coming down here and Josh Morgan and vacuuming all the carpets on Saturday night for you guys? Taking all the trash out. I know y'all think that's not a big deal. But, but right now, um, um, Teresa is picking up the class that Art and Crystal had. There's, there's people that need foundation. Pray about where you fit. He put a gift in you. Find out where you fit. Talk to Lisa and see if we can get you plugged in someplace. One day real soon, I'm going to bring, I'm going to start bringing out the picture of the new building. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm believing God right now for a thousand people. Are y'all ready to believe with me? I think this church needs to grow. There's people in this city that need what we're doing. It's going to take a lot of us to do it. Now, I'm not going to promise you we're perfect because Lord have mercy, I'm not. Well, I'm, I am, but Lisa's not. So, and Justin, we're working on him. Can we tell what happened to Justin? Are we allowed to? No. Wait. Okay, we're going to wait. The big deal coming. But anyway, I love every one of you. There's guys out there like Bruce doing safety. Watching the monitors, watching your kids. Mm-hmm. Folks, people like Bruce, that when we stand before God, he'll, he'll get the same reward I'll get for pastoring this church. Yes. Because he's faithful. I can't do it without him. I can't do this without Justin. If I don't have techie guys, y'all can't even hear me or I'm going to wear my voice out. Do y'all see that? Yes. Find, find where you fit. Yes. Don't just live a self-centered me life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.